interview with Congressman Ed Perlmutter of Jefferson County. Uh, you know what we're talking about, primarily coronavirus, but it's not just me today. I'm Jason Bain. Guess who's back? I'm Ian Silveri. I'm back. Uh, well, you know, I'm still at home, like like many of us, working from my uh, office studio here. And uh, like Jason said, we had a great phone call with Congressman Ed Perlmutter, who is a strong and steady voice and a guy who actually makes me feel a little bit better about what's going on right now. Absolutely. Let's uh, get right to that then. Now on the Get More Smarter podcast, we're happy to welcome in Congressman Ed Perlmutter, Democrat from Jefferson County. Congressman, are you hunkered down in your home office right now? I'm uh, in my home office looking out at the front yard. It's kind of a gray, misty day, but uh, still pretty nice out there. You just heard, it sounds like, uh, well, we saw in the news yesterday that the house is, is going to be out for at least another week. Is that right? So I got home uh, two nights ago. Uh, We voted on Saturday. I came home Sunday night. The Senate is back in session and we're not supposed to go back until next Tuesday. So a week from today. So we're getting conflicting reports from the world and, and we're confused about what's going on. Can you tell us anything about where the bill is in the Senate right now that you all voted on before you left? So the bill, we've called it Families First, and it really is the second part of a number of things that we want to accomplish. The first dealt with research and testing so that we get the vaccines uh, put together as quickly as possible, perfect the therapeutics if somebody gets sick, you know, manufacture more protective gear, get the tests prepared and manufactured and out to people. So that occurred about 10 days ago. This bill is to deal with potential sick pay for folks, unemployment insurance, uh, nutrition, as well as paying for the testing that folks might undergo. So it passed the House last night. There were some technical changes, and it then has uh, been transferred over to the Senate. I expect them to vote on it uh, this afternoon. And do you expect it to pass? Yes, I think it will pass. Obviously, the House has been in charge of this. This this train, both on the, the health care package we passed 10 days ago, as well as this Families First, is really emanating from the House. There was negotiation between the Speaker and uh, Secretary Mnuchin and working with the White House to come to an agreement. But it's really the this whole thing is being pushed and driven by the House because we can see the emergency that is unfolding before us and we need to be taking steps now in the in the immediate future. So like right now, we got to deal with sort of midterm problems that we expect from three months to nine months and then long term. We got to look at short term, midterm and long term here. And we are doing that. And uh, the House is is really jumped on this. The third bill that we're hearing about in the, in the news now coming from the White House Is that the third step you were talking about? Will that start in the House again? The third bill, there's conversation in the House, there's conversation in the White House, and the Senate, I guess, has been talking, and Schumer brought it up today, a big stimulus package. 
which I'm sure has some infrastructure in it, you know, building roads and bridges and the electrical grid and dealing with broadband and water, uh, as well as housing and maybe some school construction. So it'll be a big construction package. We're going to need, we'll probably deal with student loans and trying to uh, refinance those down to the current Fed funds rate, which is virtually zero. So that'll help a lot of students out there. But, you know, a program, a, a bill that will be there to jumpstart the economy once we get through this uh, health care emergency. I want to ask you about the political parts of this. Congressman Ken Buck voted against both of the House bills in the last two weeks. I'm not going to ask you about him, but how do you balance your political ideals with an emergency like this when you re- we need rapid response? You've got a, <laughs> there was uh, a shirt my wife had today to, before she started teaching online uh, to her classes up at Stanley Lake, you know, stay calm and do the math. You take one step at a time. And we in the house have said, okay, we've got an emergency. We know it's an emergency and we've got to move this thing as quickly as we can to deal with the medical component of it. And then ultimately deal with the economic fallout that'll come from everybody hunkering down for the next few weeks. Now we've seen the stock market swinging all over the place this week. Um, Turns out 10 of the worst drops in the history of the Dow Jones Industrial Average happened in the last two months, first linked to the um, oil wars between Russia and Saudi Arabia, and now clearly as a result of this global epidemic pandemic. Are there any lessons from 2008, 9, 10, when uh, you know, President Obama and the Democrats led the Recovery Act that put us back in really strong economic footing of you know, not immediately, but several months, years after that we could learn from then that we can be applying now? Well, let me tell you a story. So the, the bull market, the economy started turning around actually on March 9th, 2009, when Barney Frank was asked, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, do you have a plan? You know, because the economy had just kept sinking even after we passed the Recovery Act. And he said, yes, I do. And he ticked off three things. It was called the uptick rule, naked short sales, and mark to market. The stock market went up about 200 points that day and never stopped really going up until we went into a bear market on March 9th, 2020, 11 (laughs) years after. Wow. So kind of an unusual uh, coincidence there. But the, the point being, you need a trusted messenger and you need a plan. And if people feel they can trust you and they feel, you know, it may not be a perfect plan, but that you've got a plan, you got an idea what you want to do and what you want to accomplish, then that starts building confidence. And an economy requires confidence. So here we don't have a trusted messenger. You know, Donald Trump just isn't trusted. And this thing is evolving so fast, we're putting the plan together as it unfolds and we'll have a better structure, you know, as we've had a chance to really grasp it, but we're looking first sort of in this emergency period of three months, then a mid period towards the end of the year, and then long-term. And I think we're gonna find that we can put a plan together that will, I think it's already starting to form. We've got the healthcare piece of this 
passed a couple weeks ago, bipartisan. We're going to pass this families first, bipartisan. And that will start giving people confidence and we won't see these gyrations in the stock market. But we're not quite there yet. And you're not kidding about the uh, level of trust that Americans have in the president's leadership at the moment. NPR and Marist put out a poll just this morning asking, do you trust the information you hear about the coronavirus from, and then asked about several figures and entities, President Trump, 60% answered not very much or not at all. News media overall gets much stronger marks at 50%, which unfortunately I think is still too low, but better than the president. And then state and local governments and public health experts are sort of pulling off the charts. Um, And I think this has a lot to do with the responses of governors like Governor Polis, who decided to jump into action. So we are facing a global health pandemic that all public health experts say is the real thing. Take extreme measures. It's global. It spreads fast. It kills people. And it looks like we are still living in two different information universes. What can we do about this? Well, if there's a silver lining in this, it's that people stop bickering about things that don't really matter, start believing in one another uh, more and not just say, you're a Democrat, you know, this is how you think about things, you're a Republican, this is how you think about things. I think that we're all going to have to come together. There's going to be an element of national sacrifice here. And I, you know, I want to applaud Jared Polis. I mean, this is an aggressive virus and it requires an aggressive response, which he's done in a very solid, methodical way of of laying it out honestly to people. This is what we're expecting and this is how we're going to address it. And as things change on the ground, he modifies it or he adds something. That's what builds trust. And if going back to your stock market question from a second ago, if you noticed uh, the stock market, uh, it would drop when Donald Trump was talking, but it went up when he turned the mic over to his health care and emergency professionals. So I think it's time that those folks who are trusted at a very high level to be the leaders, and I and I think Jared is uh, trusted just because he's been honest with people, yeah. and he's taken uh, straightforward action. Congressman, the Colorado legislature has suspended work until the end of the month. What is the scenario you think in which Congress could do something similar? I mean, is there, or could you hold revo- votes remotely? Is that even possible? Well, there is a. A section of the House rules that that deals with uh, voting when there's been a some kind of a an attack or a natural disaster or contagion. It actually addresses contagion and it allows for a lower quorum. But at this point, there is no provision for televoting, if you will. Mm. And there's been a request by a number uh, to have that. Uh, put into place. But at this point, if we have a big vote, then we're going to be given, I think, 24 hours notice. Those who can get on a plane will go back and vote. And then we're going to vote not in a mass like we ordinarily do, because that seems to be what the Petri dish for passing this virus. But we'll do it um, small groups at a time until uh, everybody who's there 
and can vote has voted. Wow. So it's we're you know, there are a lot of things in, in play right now, but the Congress is still in session. Do you think you would be comfortable with voting remotely, televoting for, for you personally? Is that are you OK with that? Yes. Yeah, I would be comfortable with it. I mean, obviously, we have to, um, you know, make sure that it's well secured and can't be hacked. And, you know, but there are a number of ways that we could protect against it, again, in a situation where there's, you know, an emergency that doesn't allow people to get back to the chamber. So I am comfortable with that. I don't think there are others in the caucus that are not comfortable with that and want us back at the seat of government in the Capitol or nearby anyway. Uh, switching gears for a second, where should people go for reliable information about what's happening and how they can keep themselves and their families safe right now? Well, I think the CDC website, I think uh, the state has a, a website that's very up to date. It, it is uh, done through um, the state's emergency management team, and they're keeping people apprised really on a probably every 30 minute basis as to what is happening because this is evolving very quickly. I mean, we're, we're sort of in the throes of this and the whole point here and the disruption that we're all feeling and going to see for the next few weeks is we want to make sure that the healthcare system doesn't get overwhelmed. Right. I mean, most people are not going to catch this or they're going to have something that they can uh, handle but there are, are a number who are going to suffer, you know, some severe effects of uh, this virus, and you don't want all of them hitting the hospitals at the same time. So that's the purpose: is to try to lower this uh, threshold so that our system can handle this. So, you know, I think we're doing everything. I think the state has really taken some strong steps, and you can find out what those steps are pretty much on a every 30 minute basis if you go to the website uh, that the state has set up. Are there any common themes that you're hearing in questions from constituents right now? Anything that you think needs to be addressed or, or rumors that need to be knocked down or are people pretty much asking the same general questions? The, the main question I had yesterday, uh, I went to the grocery store at the King Supers nearby and actually, it was pretty well stocked. I mean, there were some things that were pretty thin, but most of the store Any was... Any toilet paper? I mean, that's really the... Uh, there the was some there. Right? There was some there, and there were some cleaning supplies, but, you know, it was thin. But there were lots of produce, lots of other things, lots of food. Anyway, I was stopped in the aisle a couple times by some small business owners who were concerned about uh, their employees. And you know, what to do in this uh, sort of emergency uh, setting. And, and that was one reason this paid sick leave is in the bill. So for small businesses, there is paid sick leave for the employees, and there are some tax credits for the small businesses as they pay folks and, and allow them to have leave during this period. There is, oh, in the first health care bill, there was a major uh, provision for small business loans, which will be at low interest rates, if not zero interest rate, so that companies, small businesses can keep their business intact 
when we emerge from this thing in a month or two, you know, so that they can start getting going again. So there is a lot of small business lending and small business approach to help them. That was the question I was getting when I was in the store yesterday. Congressman, you know, paid family leave, uh, higher wages, loan forgiveness. These are some of the policies that progressives and Democrats have been pushing for outside of this epidemic and pandemic for a while. Now you're starting to see people like Mitt Romney advocate for some sort of, you know, universal basic income type bailout where every American gets a thousand dollar check or something like that. Do you think that at, you know, assuming we get through this in some kind of normal fashion, we'll be able to make a stronger argument for universal health care and some of the other things that Democrats have been arguing about for a long time? I think, uh, Ian, we will get through this in some sort of normal fashion. I think Americans will pull together. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about a, uh, a young nursing student who's just about ready to graduate and her willingness to volunteer to help. I mean, I think the better angels are going to start coming out in all of us to work together and to help each other as we can. But going back to your question, I do think in this time, we're going to see the Mitt Romneys and the Kevin McCarthy's in the House and the, the Steve Mnuchin as Secretary of Treasury wanting to help every single American to make sure that the economy gets moving as quickly as possible, given this, you know, nationwide, worldwide disruption to, you know, how we normally go about doing business and go about our lives. So I think there's going to be some real, I don't know how to describe it. I think that the Republicans will look at a lot of different things that are going to help the country that we as progressives have been supporting for a long time exactly which ones and how many, uh, I don't know. But I think they are seeing that this is a, a national emergency as the president finally came to realize and made that declaration. And a lot of them, you know, Mitt Romney has uh, a pretty steel spine after that whole impeachment stuff. So right he's, uh, he's a, a pretty good role model to begin with. But I think other Republicans are recognizing both the urgency uh, of, of now and the need for long-term kind of planning to get the economy back to where we want it. So you're, you're seeing a silver lining here. You think that maybe this can be a fix to our ultra-partisan politics and could actually bring us all together. I, it's possible. It's possible because... Uh, uh, we've seen a, a certainly a change in tune by guys like Newt Gingrich, you know, who actually is really sounding the alarm because he's over there in Italy with his wife, who is the the ambassador to the uh, to the Pope and or to the Vatican. So he's uh, he's definitely seen uh, how Italy is uh, what they're suffering right now, and he's been very big in changing his tune from what it was a month ago to what it is today. It's amazing. You remember the House Financial Services Committee. What, what kind of work on coronavirus response are you guys doing in your committees separately? Well, I think ours is going to be um, dealing with the, more with the economic side. 
of what's going, what, what individuals are going to face, what businesses are going to face, what landlords are going to face, what banks are going to face as this uh, emergency that we're dealing with, this disruption kind of works its way through the economy and through time. And so our job is to make sure that, that there is a, an effort to stimulate the economy, that people, you know, this virus is through no fault of anybody. And, but everybody's going to feel the effects of it, at least on the economic side. And our job is to try to temper that as much as possible and to get the economy, you know, back up and running as soon as possible. And I think part of that is going to be investing, you know, in our infrastructure over a longer period of time, which is something we've needed to do for a while anyway. So thank you so much for spending some time with us and explaining what's going on this morning. We really appreciate it. Do you have any other advice or uh, resources for folks who are scared, who don't know when they're going to be able to return to work, who are you know, looking at the market going all over the place and freaking out about their savings and their retirement? I'd say just, you know, uh, and it, 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 I don't want to sound trite, but appreciate the moment. The moment you know, I'm looking outside, I'm here with my wife who's doing her teaching remotely. And, you know, we're uh, coping with that. I'm glad I'm with her. My kids are good. So just, you know, appreciate all the good things that still are going on in, in your life. But also um, turn to our office, uh, 303-274-7944. Maybe we can help with questions about the, the paid sick leave, questions about the SBA loans, questions about the, you know, the research that the country's really putting into place. I think we could be a resource. Local governments, I know I'm doing a telephone town hall tonight with folks from uh, Jeffco Health and from the state. So we're going to have a telephone town hall to provide some of the health care updates. And then obviously stay tuned to the governor's office, who really has shown himself to uh, be in command of this. And I feel like there'll be good, solid information that at, when you have information and there is good communication and it's honest from a trusted messenger, you may not like it, but you can plan accordingly. And I think that's what folks need. And I think the governor's office could do it. And our local governments really are on top of this. Congressman, before we go, anything that uh, we should ask you or that we missed? I, I think just to go back to this, uh, I think we're finding economically that all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of jobs at the grocery store because they're you know getting inundated. Amazon is hiring a hundred thousand people. People who make you know we've got a big international paper uh, plant in my district, not too far from where I live. They're making boxes 24 hours a day right now. So, you know, there are, when, when one thing kind of goes down, something else comes up. That's number one. Number two, as Americans, um, this volunteer by this young woman and her cohort of, of nurses who are going to be graduating soon to want to go volunteer and help the, the system, coupled with nurses and medical professionals who've retired, who are enlisting to help. I mean, that volunteer ethic will make this a lot better for all of us. And 
And I know as Americans, that's who we are. Well, I love the positive attitude. It's uh, refreshing to hear. Okay. We really appreciate it. I mean, yeah, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning, Congressman. Please do stay safe. And uh, everybody, feel free to call Congressman Perlmutter's office, follow his advice, follow his Twitter account, his Facebook account, Governor Polis on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, stay safe out there. Thank you so much for your time today. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. So, hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while. So how's the little guy? How's being a dad? It's great. He's doing well. It's a weird time to have a new baby. It's a weird time to kind of do anything right now. But we've, you know, Brittany and I have been able to spend some extra time with him. So it's, it's kind of like the first month of his life all over again. He's uh, eight weeks old now. Um, he turned eight weeks old on Sunday. And uh, he's like almost doubled in size. It's pretty freaky how they grow. And uh, he's doing all sorts of weird stuff now. And he's just, he's amazing. He's like the sweetest, cutest baby we've ever seen in our lives. And we're actually even getting a little bit of sleep. He wakes us up once, maybe twice a night. And uh, that's an improvement for sure. So we're doing great. Unfortunately, we can't have too many visitors these days. So there's not a lot of uh, Davis being uh, meeting all of our friends and family. But he got to meet my folks a few weeks ago when they were in town. Um, before this whole thing started getting out of control. And uh, yeah, we're you know, just trying to keep him inside, keep him safe, keep him fed. Very nice. Well, I'm glad to be back. And uh, I've been listening to the show while I've been on break, and you guys have been doing a great job. I actually got way more smarter listening to the podcast as I was um, trying to catch up on what was going on. So I really appreciate that, especially the Smart Alex segment. That's been great, um, just to have some insight from the majority leader on what's happening at the Capitol uh, we even broke some news uh, at least once, if not twice, on the podcast while we were gone that other uh, outlets reported and picked up on. So that's all really exciting, and uh, I'm glad to be back a little bit. I'm not sure what will happen next week. <laughs> no one's sure what will happen next week, but stay tuned, and we'll see if we can get some more information from D.C. or the governor's office. Well, thanks for joining us this week, and hopefully we'll hear more from you soon. You betcha. You guys take care. Thanks a lot. All righty. Get More Smarter Podcast is a production of ColoradoPolls.com and Progress Now Colorado. Your hosts are Ian Silveri and Jason Bain this time around. Ethan Black, hey, that's me, engineers and produces our show. The phenomenal Breakmaster Cylinder made our theme music. This week, we're recording separately in our socially distanced coronavirus bunkers. If you know someone who needs a positive message amidst this pandemic, share this episode with a friend. Every time you share an episode, it helps us expand our audience and others to get more smarter. We'll see you next week.